I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, would you look at that? <laughs> I Only Like You. Comedy podcast about... <laughs> I think it's a comedy. People laugh at it. <laughs> I laugh at it, not with it. You laugh during it? Yeah. Podcast about <laughs> boyfriend and girlfriend who hate the world but like watching movies. And each other. Yes. Movies, then each other. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> this week on the agenda, Choc Tops, the worst invention ever for a cinema food, and Jason Bourne. One of the most unnecessary movies ever. Yeah. I have thoughts. You have many thoughts. I have many thoughts. <laughs> okay. To begin, Choc Tops. <laughs> Why? They're yummy. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Not really. Have you ever they? had one? Yes, they're awful. It's just like a magnum but in a cone form. Who wants to eat ice cream during a movie? You're in the dark. You can't see. Ice cream is a food you need to be on top of when you eat it. <laughs> need to monitor it all times. You do. You laugh, but you do. Mm-hmm. Your fingers will get sticky during the movie and mm-hmm. you can't go and wash them or anything. And you they drop, rustle. You drop food on yourself at the best of times, so... Well, that's not neither here or there. Well, okay. it is a bit here or there, well, isn't it? No. <laughs> talking about chock tops, not me. I don't get chock tops. Why am I getting in trouble here? Why does my eating ability, which is fine, by the way, have anything to do with chock tops? Lonnie, what happened to the one white Batman shirt that I bought you the first time you wore it? I've got some food on it. It happens. <laughs> Why is this about me? It's called chock tops. God. Okay. Look, I'm not in the one in the, in the body box here. Chock tops are. Event cinemas have a promotion on at the moment where... Um, you can get, like, free movies for a year if you win something that's in a chock shop. And I was pretty keen to, like, get that, obviously. But then I didn't feel like a chock shop this morning when we went to the cinema. But then they had a Spock one, which was, like, peanut and triple chocolate, by the way. It was it was kind of tasty. And you laughed at me when I said I wanted to get it and tried to convince me not to. I didn't care if you had it or not. Oh, didn't you? Well, you already had a frozen Coke and some popcorn. <laughs> it was 10 o'clock in the morning. It was the experience. I was buying into the movie experience. Yeah, that's how they get you. <laughs> but Spock tops are awful. Here's my question. Are you supposed to eat your chop top before the popcorn or after? Because in that instance, I ate it first. But then I felt like really weird eating like savoury things after I'd eaten my dessert. Like that was really strange. So today I decided to eat it after the popcorn, right? So I pre-opened the package so Mr. Grumpy Pants wouldn't get annoyed by the rustling of the plastic. I don't care about rustling. You're the one who complains about people opening things up. Yeah, I really don't like it. But I put it beside me so then it was really easily accessible. You know, I wouldn't cause any fuss. 
But when I did get around to eating my chop chop after I'd had my popcorn, I it was a disaster, guys. It was an absolute disaster. It was dripping everywhere. The top like had fallen off, so I had to like mush it back onto the cone. It was dripping all down my fingers. Because it was melted, because I waited until after my popcorn, then it was just a total mess. And I had, you're right, I had ice cream on my fingers. I had to get my hand sanitizer out in the middle of the movie. Why do you sound so surprised? <laughs> They're an awful, awful thing to eat during a movie. But I got... Why is it that you want to eat something that has a time limit during a movie? Well, I didn't think it had a time limit. I thought it would be fine until after I had my popcorn. I'm not upset with you. I'm just talking in general. Okay. You do what you want. <laughs> But I had, I've had two goes at it now, one before the popcorn and one after, and both were an awful experience. I love ice cream, but maybe not for in the movies. Because you have to concentrate so much. Yeah, you have to really look at the food. And that's not good while you're watching a movie. No. So you need a food that you can eat in the dark. Yeah. Popcorn. Yeah, but you know what You can what just happens? graze on it. Yeah, no, it's really... We, I'd almost finish that before we... But you don't even have to look at it while you eat. You can just put it in and it falls off. Who cares? Yeah. When I got to the end, though, I was grabbing, like, kernels that hadn't popped properly and I bit down and it was an awful experience as well. So you kind of sort of need to see towards the bottom of the, of Can't the box. Can't you just feel it? Well, no, because I was grabbing, I was grabbing <laughs> handfuls. I wasn't grabbing <laughs> single bits. <laughs> I was just shoving handfuls into my mouth. <laughs> Look, I don't see why anyone ever wants to do a chock top. That's why they're having the competition because no one's buying it. <laughs> awful. So what's what's your what would you suggest to be sold instead of choc tops? Like what what's a good cinema Popcorn's food? Popcorn's fine. No, but like as a sweet little sweetie dessert. Chocolate. Okay, yeah. Don't bring cream into it. So so your gripe is with the ice cream component of the choc top. I suppose so. I just think it's an awful food to eat during the movies. Well, my experience today would verify that. No more Choc Tops. Choc Tops, if you're listening, we are henceforth boycotting you. I'm no but, longer allowed to get them. No, <laughs> get them if you want. But who, who buys them? Who does this? Me. Surely everyone who's ever experienced it has had an awful time because of the reasons I've outlined today. Well. <laughs> who keeps buying them now? Didn't our, isn't that like a real thing in our parents' generation that they go and get popcorn and a Choc Top at the movies? I think everyone hates it, but everyone thinks they should like it. Right, okay. I'm the one who can see the emperor's naked here. <laughs> Nobody else can, but I can. So it's become a thing, you reckon? Like, no one actually enjoys the process of eating the chop chop. Mm-hmm. They're just looking at each other like, mm, isn't this great? My hands are all <laughs> sticky. Oh, I can't see the movie because I'm bloody licking my, my fingers. Ugh. Do you reckon anyone's dropped the chop chop on themselves while watching the movie? Definitely. Yeah. Happens 10 times a day, I'm sure. How annoying would it be if you dropped it on the ground and then the cleaners would have to like get the ice cream out of the carpet? You see, they hate it too, don't they? It's probably it's probably their least favourite thing next to vomit and maybe kids wee to clean up in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to get them in the future. I'm calling for a, a nationwide boycott <laughs> are you gonna start a hashtag hashtag kill the choc top hashtag emperor's new clothes choc top <laughs> hashtag naked choc top <laughs> i can see you but you don't want the choc top naked that would imply you don't want the chocolate you want the ice cream gone i'm not actually gonna do the <laughs> hashtag 
So you want the clothes, just no body. I want people to not eat chocolate <laughs> and to see how useless they are. Well, I saw, yeah, I didn't have a great experience with mine today, but it was tasty. Maybe I need to get an ice cream after the movies. Maybe. And not have it in the movies. Even if you got ice cream in a bowl and you get a spoon. If you order a chop top in gold class, you know how when you order popcorn it comes in a bowl and you order a frozen Coke it comes in a glass? If you order a chop top, do they stick it in a bowl for you? Maybe. They wouldn't give it to you in the plastic. They shouldn't. If anyone knows the answer to this, can you please send us an email? Because I'm actually really interested in what happens if you order a chop top. Ben should in know. Gold class. I don't, has Ben even been to Gold Class? No, ben knows people like in the movies, though. Okay, Ben, can you figure this out for us? Because I know they, they like transfer the packaging into something nicer for all the other foods when you are in Gold Class. And then they've got, you know, the foods that they cook for you. Well, what happens to the chalk tops? What if you got a packet of Maltesers? Will they just give you the packet? Will they stick it in a bowl? I bowl. I think we like things in bowls. I think that's what we've taken from this. Well, we're in the dark. It's the best way to do it. Yeah, you just need something to graze on. See, did you enjoy when we went to Gold Class and I took you? I took Lonnie as a surprise for his birthday two years ago? some point. Yeah. Did you enjoy the process of eating food during that? It's fine. You didn't like it, did you? Because <laughs> you couldn't concentrate on the movie. No, we had pizza, though. That was good. Okay. That was easy enough to eat. Yeah. It wasn't like eating a, eating a pasta or a bloody... Tiramisu. A steak. <laughs> Can we move on before I get too heated about this? I think that, that's been and gone, Lon. I think you're already a bit worked up about this. Okay. Jason Bourne. The new Bourne film. Time for me to get worked up. <laughs> Cracks knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sinead is a big fan of the Jason Bourne films. I am. They're her favourite action movies. They are. She has some nice memories of watching them with her dad when she was growing up. Dad and I are, are big fans. She has them on DVD. I do. <laughs> I don't even need to be here. She <laughs> watches them over and over. I used to watch them over and over. I hadn't seen them for a long time before we did a we did a rewatch in preparation for this movie. I hadn't really seen them before a couple of years ago. I didn't see them when they first came out or anything. Just sort of missed them. Um, but when I was in my first year of uni, we watched the beginning of the first movie as a, like a representation of cool visual style and stuff. And then I went home and like found them because I really liked it. Mm. Great movies, the first three. Mm-hmm. How would you rank them? Well, interestingly, I thought I didn't like number two very much in my memory, but re-watching it, I thought it was great. It was very strong. It well, might, be, might be tired to rank them. What do you like yeah. about them in general? I like... Um, see, this is really tricky because... I find with movies that you like, when you start to analyse them and think about them, sometimes a bit of the sheen comes off. Not that you don't like them as much, but, you know, they're not as, not seeing them through rose-coloured glasses, I guess. So I think they're really well-developed stories. I enjoy a lot of the plot. I enjoy a lot of the, I don't know, the action sequences make sense. It's really gritty. It's really realistic. The handheld doesn't bother me as much as it bothers other people. Um, and Born as a character is, I think, what Dad and I especially really loved because he's so, like, he doesn't have the fancy gadgets that James Bond has. He's just really, like, he 
he finds weapons and finds a way out of situations just with what he has on hand and, you know, like using a magazine in the first two or whatever and, you know, like when um, he grabs a tea towel and a bottle of vodka for and you're like, what's going on? What are we – what's he doing that for, you know? And then you find out it's for the bullet wound that he's got and you're like, oh, my God, yeah, Bourne, you're so clever. It's awesome. And generally the, like, doo-doo of the music would set in and it's like, yeah, go, Jason. And you just get really into it and excited. And I was super into it and excited at the beginning of this movie. I, I so wanted it to be amazing. And I just didn't feel – didn't really feel very born like to me. How do you mean? Well, I don't know. It, it felt a bit too sleek and a bit too put together maybe. And it kind of just felt like another action movie. It lost lost the bornness the grittiness and the adaptability and the, I don't know. Well, I think the first three really felt like they had a purpose for them. Yeah. Which was born finding out who he is, where he's come from, why he was the way he was. Mm-hmm. And this one, it, I think the action sequences and everything else were, were just as good, you know. Yeah. The staging of all the crazy, like the protest scene, amazing how they would have filmed all that mm-hmm. and the Las Vegas um, car scene, great. But I didn't see there was any reason for this one, any strong reason why Bourne was getting involved with these people. The end of Ultimatum was so great for an ending. Yeah. I loved that ending. It was awesome because it kind of capped the story off but then kept him alive and going mm-hmm. on and being Jason Bourne, you know, mm-hmm. and – they originally weren't – I remember when Matt Dane was doing the press for all that because I used to record all the interviews <laughs> and rewatch them. Mm. But they said they were not planning on doing another one because they thought it was a really good ending to the, the yeah, series. Because it was. It was great. Following this one, Matt Dane is like, yeah, I'll do another one if Paul Greengrass is in. And I don't know. I I feel kind of annoyed because I felt like the franchise was really – nicely capped off that story was told in three movies and to come back and kind of re-bring it up I don't know that it had anything new to say and it didn't really add anything did it no nothing new no. really happened to Bourne or to the series it seemed actually like they went backwards a bit by including corrupt CIA people yeah doing a secret program yeah and like the reason I thought would have been cool is if like Bourne found out that they were resurrecting the program and Mm. he really wants to go in there and stop them yeah which previously in other movies he just wanted to find out him Mm. what he had done and like get closure it would have been cool if this one he wanted to go back and do it but again they just made it him being reluctant to be involved again seemingly just because that's what the other ones did as well yeah which the other three are quite similar in their structure because what worked for the first one works for the three but with this new rebirth, pun intended, of this franchise, um, there was an opportunity there to do something different and they didn't. Yeah, well, I feel like the first three were part of an overarching story that ended. I agree. <laughs> and this one feels like they just did it again yeah. with no new purpose. No. I've put a spoiler alert in here, so feel free to talk about spoilers if you want. Thank you. Um, I think it's impossible to talk about this movie and our gripes with it without spoiling it so if you don't want to be spoiled you probably shouldn't have clicked on this podcast because you have been warned in the title (laughs) um i tried to explain my thoughts to lonnie earlier and i don't think i did a very good job this movie has very 
obvious um, representations of the Apple company and the CIA and the surveillance issues and Snowden and all that kind of stuff, Um, even referencing a couple of those things in the film. And it kind of word for word copied the um, response from Apple to the CIA about, oh, we're not going to let you guys spy, our customers are better, etc. They included that in the dialogue. And I understand that that's something that's going on in our world right now and that's something that people are concerned about and therefore art is going to be made that commentates on that. However, I'm not sure Born is the right franchise to include things like that. Born for me is a standalone story about one man on his journey to find out who he is and and kind of um, defeating the people who get in his way like along, along the process and to turn that into something that's like social commentary on our times or I don't know, something like that, it felt forced. It didn't feel like it belonged in a Bourne story. It felt like it belonged in another action, some sort of other action movie. It's not It's not Bourne's job to commentate on society. I felt like that was almost a sub-reality where it was just this story going on and I didn't think that it needed to push that agenda so hard seemingly just because it was in the news or because it was topical. I agree. I think you've made your point well there. Especially I thought it was weird, all the surveillance thing, because in the previous three movies they've already used surveillance things to track yeah, him anyway. Yeah, that's true. So and then it's, it's already happening. Yeah. Like in the first one even, even that like set in like 2001 or whatever, they were using the chunky old computers to, yeah. to search um, all around um, Berlin or whatever. They were already tapping into everyone's phones and everything anyway, so I don't really know. Yeah, and they had access to the CCTV inside the embassy in the bank and whatever, like, and then all of a sudden now to be saying, oh, it's all about privacy as well. Yeah. I felt like Bourne lost a lot of the resourcefulness in this movie as well. Like, there's a big sort of um, convention, I don't know, um, technology convention, I guess it is. Yeah, I guess so. Where he takes like a tester um, tracking device and a tester hidden camera and stuff and uses them. That's not what Bourne does. He doesn't just take the camera that's sitting on the, the, I don't know, display bench and use it for his, like, I don't know. It's just Well, that's Bourne using a gadget. It was too, exactly, yeah. That's what it turned into. It's too easy. It was too easy for him to get through this. The whole point of Bourne is that you're like, crap, his back's up against the wall, CIA are coming in on him, how's he going to get out of this one, you have no bloody idea, and the next minute he's sticking a magazine in a toaster and blowing up the apartment complex in number two. So there was none of that, like, excitement and, and I don't know, it just felt like a generic action movie. It didn't feel like Bourne. And like you were saying previously, it was another corrupt CIA person another old white man that we had to overthrow or that was after Bourne and doing his own secret mission on the side when the CIA were involved, which we already went through with Noah. We already went through with um, Brian Cox's Brian character. Cox's character. I can't remember his name. And Chris Cooper in the first Chris movie. Cooper. So there's nothing new with this story. In, in this one, you could have replaced um, 
Alicia Vikander's character with Pam, Joan Allen, from the last other movies, and it would have been pretty much exactly the same, right? Bloody word for word. And then the end of this movie, Alicia Vikander turns into the new corrupt agent. Yeah. So I don't really understand what the goddamn point was. Where's the progress? Yeah. yeah. That's why I was saying maybe if if Bourne had actually had come and trying to oppose, um, expose them or whatever, it might have been something different rather than exactly the same again, you know. Another real problem I had with it, though, was that it sort of changed his origin story. So we find out in the third movie that he wasn't brainwashed into being the super soldier. He actually volunteered to be part of the program, which then made him into a basically a super soldier. And he tried to leave the program but couldn't or something. Yeah, and then he sort of broke and then he became yeah. Jason Bourne, yeah. yeah. But the, the most fascinating part about that for me was that he actually volunteered. Yes. So to me, he was just a regular guy who wanted to be you know, protect his country. This movie reveals that his dad was in the CIA and was a part of the Treadstone program and that the Treadstone program had been surveilling Jason Bourne or David Webb for a couple of years beforehand and then his dad found out about it and got annoyed and was about to leave and expose it. Then his dad got killed, and then they used that as motivation. Well, his dad was killed by the CIA, I should say, and then the CIA used that as motivation to get David Webb to become Jason Bourne, to volunteer. So it changes the whole thing. He didn't just volunteer and, and like, became um, the super soldier. He was made, and he was actually constructed from the very beginning. So that actually, he becomes a chosen person, a chosen one character whose whole story is constructed and it's all the conspiracy behind the scenes yeah why why did his dad have to be involved at all it, does, it, it, it changes everything but not for the better does it it totally undid half of the third movie yeah so and i can understand doing that if you're not the original creator yeah but some of the original people were still on board with this well paul greengrass did the third one and he did this one as well so you're like negating what you've made already for what? For what purpose? And Lonnie's explained the chosen one concept to me before where it's about the hero having to be this special character, you know, no one else could be him. Yeah, well, the chosen one, is it's like the prophecy sort of thing almost that this character is the only character who can do it and they have to be super special to be in this story. Like Luke Skywalker. Yeah, or Harry Potter, there's a prophecy, that yeah. sort of thing, you know. Yeah. The thing about Bourne is, to me was that he has all these superpowers and whatever, essentially, but he was a regular guy at he the beginning. every guy, yeah. Yeah, and he, he, was in the, he was this killer, and then he finds out, like, he has amnesia, and he really starts to hate the person he was, and he, he tries to atone for his actions by apologising to people, family people he's killed. Because but he... Then, and then he finds out that he actually volunteered to be that guy in the first place, and so that's even guilt. He feels even more guilt. And in this one, he finds out, well, actually... I was manipulated from the beginning, so he has no guilt. He shouldn't have any so guilt. So then there's now. no responsibility for his actions there, which makes absolutely no sense. It negates the whole point with of the, the whole last previous movie. three movies. No. no. And I just feel like there's a sequence in this movie where Bourne has a series of flashbacks, which is fine. That's a um, something that they've used that's been in the last three as well, where he kind of has these memories coming back to him, and then it's about him trying to figure out what that's to do with for example when he had the flashbacks of the hotel brecker and that kind of stuff in um number two, number two. Yeah. and that that's done similarly here 
and the flashback is the conversation he has with his dad before his dad dies. Then when he realises what that memory is and it plays out fully and he realises his dad died and who killed him, everything's like, you killed my father, my father's, you know, he was behind this, blah, 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 blah. Dude, you just remembered that your father died. You just remembered that you had a father and now all of a sudden you're so totally worried about your dad. I just, it came out of nowhere for me. And I don't understand. It doesn't make it stronger having his dad be the creator of Treadstone because we're never going to know his dad as a character. His dad's dead. It was stronger, as you said, when he volunteered himself, he put himself in this position and then now he's got amnesia and he has to deal with all the consequences of his actions without having any of the reasoning that got undone when he had amnesia, any of the reasoning behind causing those actions, you know. It's trying to understand why he would do something like that. And then, as you said, when it came out that he'd volunteered, there's so much responsibility there and so much more guilt and so much more complexity for his character than to just take the blame away and say, oh, he wasn't actually in control. He didn't actually mean to do this. I agree. And why does every character need their dad or their mum to have died so they have some motivation? Isn't the fact that his whole life has been screwed up by the CIA and the guy in front of him is trying to kill him, that's enough motivation to try and stop? (laughs) Not that he killed his dad? Why does every superhero or hero have to have a dead parent? Like that's the only motivation that can happen. You can only be upset and want to vindicate yourself if your parent is dead. I think it would be amazing to have a superhero who actually had parents and he had that sort of weird relationship with them where his parents maybe don't approve or but want him don't want him to be a superhero. But you, that'd be so much cooler. But you know what would happen? It's kind of like the Aunt May Spider-Man thing and then they kill her off. You know, that's what would happen because they're there as the secondary character yeah. to die. It's because in Joseph Campbell's sort of mythology, the hero has to be an orphan. It has to be a chosen yep. one. has to have a prophecy. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way, everybody. No, it don't doesn't. have to have shock tops. <laughs> don't have to have chosen ones. If you've learned anything from this podcast, take those two things. <laughs> um, what you were saying earlier about the fight sequences and action sequences being quite realistic, they were still great. The fight sequences and everything, yeah. I, I still felt that was the grittiness was still there with those. Um, there are a couple of things that really annoyed me though, which I know are small gripes, but sometimes when they're really obvious things like. Um, this poor. is the show for gripes, Nate. Yeah, so you're on the right true. place. But often when it's something like poor editing or a poor music choice or or something really simple like that, it affects me more because I feel like that shouldn't be an issue. I should be worrying about story complexities and things like we've been talking about. But there was there's a big scene and it's in the trailer, so I'm not really spoiling anything, where a SWAT fan um, kind of plows through a set of parked cars on a highway in front of in front of a casino and all of those cars were empty they were shells and you could clearly see that now obviously I don't want people in the cars but would it have killed them to place a dummy in each one would it have killed them because that took me out of the movie so much I could see how many days would have gone into shooting that sequence and how constructed (laughs) it was and they would have gutted the cars and made leds and the lights and all sorts of things and it just was such a simple thing that shouldn't have been an issue but it was and I felt like there were a couple of things in this movie that made me feel like that. Mm. And that no, didn't happen in the first one. No, yeah. no. I feel like maybe they were they were trying so hard to make this the action blockbuster that a bit of the attention to detail and a bit of the intricacies of the first three got left behind. Mm. 
And there's also obviously a car chase in this movie. There's always a car chase in Bourne. And Bourne has this, I don't know, it's like a Maserati or a Lamborghini, some kind of fancy car. His airbags do not go off once. (laughs) He is smashed so many times. He's like a little ping pong ball going around the city. And in contrast, in the beginning of the movie, the bad guy's in a car, he hits one wall and his airbag goes off. Yeah. <laughs> like he should have been dead so many times. And there's a sequence where he's, he, his car like drives on top of the SWAT van or something and gets caught in the awning of the casino. And same casino is in Ocean's Eleven, by the way. And um, like he's pinned between a van and an awning of a building and he just crawls out, just one limp, <laughs> one limp ball is fine to go, you know. Like I get, I get. You can't kill him in that way. And I understand, you know, Bourne's strong and he's not going to let one bullet wound get to him. I understand all that. But I just feel like sometimes we go a bit over the top with our action Mm. sequences. Mm -hmm. And then to compare that to the really gritty, realistic fight scenes and then to have such an outlandish, Mm. you know, unrealistic car chase didn't gel for me. They felt like parts of two different movies. Fair enough. I think even even the car chases in the first movies weren't as dramatic as these ones, were no, they? But that that was kind of the joy of them, though. Like, look mm. in the first one where he's in um, Marie's Mini. The whole point is that he's, oh, my God, he's going down the staircase. Mm. You know, the Mini's mm. driving on the staircase. Holy mm. crap. And he's just driven off the roof. Like, that, they're the fun bits because you're like, what's he doing? You have no idea. And you're trying to, like, you're in the same shoes as the CIA or the police trying to figure mm. out what he's going to do next, what his next movie is going to be. Mm-hmm. And there was just, this was just a boring action car chase like mm. anything else. I did really like the scene set during the protest in Greece. It was like there's um, riot police and there's um, protesters, rioters um, having fights in the background and Bourne's like running through it. It would have been so hard for them to stage all that action, wouldn't it? Absolutely, it been, God, it was. And there's fire going off, like Molotov cocktails, and and all sorts See, of fighting kind of, and stuff. That, that was kind really of cool. felt more genuine, born. Yeah. That first sequence with Nikki. Yeah. But that's where it kind of ended. Yeah. After that, it didn't quite match up, did it? And I'm not sure. I knew she was going to die mm. from the beginning. It was just mm. obvious, and I'm not sure it added anything to kill her off. Yeah. I'm not sure it really added anything for her to come back. I'm not sure why she was hacking into CIA 16 years later or something as well. It wasn't really dealt with, was it? No. No. There was no reason for her to, I don't know, hack into the files and then, I don't know, give give the information to Bourne. Hmm. Also, she's a CIA operative, right? She was under the files of Treadstone back in movie one or two. Does she not know that her computer can be traced by this point? Yeah, I don't know. How do they not know such basic things as special agents or whatever? Well, she's been off the grid too, hasn't she? Well, yeah, but one, like... But yeah, unless she was doing it with the hope that she'd get away sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah. Um, back to your point about Bourne not dying easily. I do like that he gets hurt though. Yeah, that's true. Um, they used to watch Steven Seagal movies with Dad when I was growing up and he <laughs> my, never gets hurt. My parents love those movies too. <laughs> watch Under Siege, Under Siege 2. Yeah. Not, not a hair out of place. <laughs> The whole movie. Even Schwarzenegger movies are a bit like that, aren't they? Yeah. He's always pretty. That's what I like about Bourne, though. It's gritty and it's realistic and he gets shot and there's blood rushing down, blood on the gear stick of the car that mm. he's trying to chase and mm. it's kind of those sequences where you kind of cringe a bit because you're like, oh, that bone's just cracked and it mm. makes you actually feel something. Mm. That was very sparse, mm. though, 
those kind of moments in this film. And I don't know. I don't, it hasn't ruined the franchise or anything for me. No. Legacy did that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, am I allowed to complain about Legacy for a little bit? If you want. I've never seen it, so. Okay. So here's here's the premise, guys. Jeremy Renner and Rachel Weiss they kind of like belong to another branch of some special agency and he's just like Bourne basically. So the whole movie uses the premise of Bourne to create a whole other action movie that has nothing to do with Bourne. And it angered me so much that they were able to use the Bourne legacy and then have nothing to do with Bourne and just create this totally other action movie that they've like used this stepping stone to get into or to get people interested in. <sighs> I hate that movie so much. Not to mention the fact that Jeremy Renner is a robot and has no emotions or is, is not able to convey any emotions or anything. Is The Bourne Legacy your truck top? Yes. Fair yeah, enough. it really is, Lum. Yeah. Yep. We've both had bad things happen to us <laughs> in our lives. I had a question for you, though. I was wondering, do you ever worry about accidentally becoming an assassin? <laughs> <laughs> because I do all the time. Why? <laughs> Why is that a concern you have? Because you know how, like, in the first Bourne movies, right, how, like, all of a sudden he hits a policeman too far and then he's got, like, all the policemen chasing him and then he's in a car and he accidentally turns it and he runs into all these people. That could be me. I'm worried one day, like, I'll have an accident and then I'll just, like, have to keep going. I'll have gone too far. And then next minute everyone's dead. I've blown up the whole country and I'm an assassin. <laughs> doesn't just happen, though. <laughs> but it might happen to me. <laughs> You'd accidentally kill all the policemen. Yeah. I might. How? How would you do it? Like in a car accident or something. Like what if I accidentally go oh. through a red light and then I kill a policeman and then all the policemen start chasing me and I'm like, well, I can't stop now. I'm too far into it. Wait, so are you killing someone and then just being on the run or are your secret hidden superpowers <laughs> just coming to the fore by accident one day? I think I'm maybe confusing assassin with like fugitive. <laughs> So you're thinking like one day you're walking on the street and the policeman will ask you to stop and all of a sudden you'll be doing your karate on him. Is that what you meant? You meant killing somebody no. and getting away with it. That's not what I meant. I'm worried I'll accidentally kill people and then I won't be able to go to jail or anything because I'll be too far gone and too scared to go in so then I just have to kill everyone. It sounds more like, like Thelma and Louise. <laughs> that sort of thing. Less Jason Bourne, more Thelma and Louise. Um, to answer your question, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't worry about that. Odd. <laughs> Thought it was a a vital concern to everyone. Back to the movie, though. I just feel like, as Lonnie said earlier, it was a bit of an unnecessary coda to this trilogy that didn't add anything, that recycled a lot of the same premise. And I don't know, I feel like there was nothing new in it and I don't really understand what it was trying to say. Like you said with the um, ending of the third one where it was he volunteered and that got undone, 
I also undid a lot of the premise for how the agency's black ops programs were set up. Originally, Treadstone was the bad one, right? Mm-hmm. And then Cochrane died, and then the idea was that Treadstone got absorbed by Blackbriar, and that was the idea that they could sweep Treadstone under the rug and say, oh, that didn't happen, Blackbriar is actually in charge of everything now. And that was supposed to be the overarching organisation, I guess, for everything else. Now it's another one. There's Buddy Iron Hand or something is the new program that they're all involved in, and there's, you know, it's the same thing. There's like all these programs now and Blackbriar is one of them and it doesn't make any sense. But it wasn't even really commented upon that, oh, we're just, they're just doing it again. They'll never stop or anything like that. It was, yeah. it was sort of just, yeah. oh, it's happening again. Can you stop it, Jason? But also that Jason doesn't want to and doesn't really have any information. He's just yeah. trying to get them off his back and he's trying to find out about his dad. Like, Did you find as well there was so much exposition dialogue used? Mm. Like the guy was like, they're fighting. Oh, thanks. <laughs> literally, thanks. Said, they're fighting as we can see they're yeah, fighting. Yeah, as we can screen. see they're fighting. <laughs> I just said, like, thank you so much. Um, Actually, I read a review from um, Luke Buckmaster. He writes for the Guardian. He writes for mm-hmm. the Daily Review website about this. He gave it a real one star, actually. Really? Was, yeah, really. Didn't wow. like it. But he wasn't, didn't like the first ones much, I think. So. Oh, okay. But, yeah, anyway. And he said, this movie is really funny because they sometimes – the action happens and then the characters in the surveillance room comment on it and sometimes th- they comment on the action then we see it. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what it is, isn't yeah. it? He's walking down the street. He's going to turn right. Oh, he's turned right. Yeah. As, and then we see on the screen he's turned right and it's, yeah. That was, yeah. It's Some of our stuff they didn't need it, did they? Yeah. No. I think we should talk about the bad guy in the film as well. So the idea, the asset that was the hitman for this movie. Assassin, basically, yeah. Um, was... Stationed in Syria when Bourne leaked the Blackbriar documents and stuff to Pam in the third one, right? And so his cover was blown and he got taken hostage and tortured and he's got um, a vendetta against Bourne because of that. He thinks Bourne betrayed them as well, betrayed the country and whatever. Yeah. And then we find out he's actually the guy that killed Bourne's dad. As well. Why? Who cares? (laughs) We've already got motivation for Bourne not to like him and him not to like Bourne. Yeah. I don't know why we need to have that other thing in there. Another added thing, right? Maybe if even it was hinted at, it would have been better, maybe. I just don't understand. I didn't understand why he was so angry at Bourne. Because Bourne didn't publish the documents. Bourne gave them to Pam. So Pam would have got the documents of that Bourne, though. No, I understand that. But shouldn't it have been the CIA's responsibility to get him out of Syria and keep him safe? And then... He might have been... And so deep cover, though, they could have done that before it was all published. Maybe. I think it's a bit of a stretch to have him angry at Bourne for that. That's another thing in this movie. They keep going on about, they say it so many times, Bourne, you're a patriot at heart. Bourne, you're a patriot. And it's in a report about Bourne as well. It is never mentioned or hinted at in the first three. Not really. The idea is that Bourne did this of his own accord for his own purposes it's not to do with some kind of larger national agenda or anything. Well, the thing about it, he, he signed up because he was a patriot, but then they, they broke him. They made him into Jason Bourne. They brainwashed him, and then he was basically a puppet for them to do whatever they wanted. Yeah. So, I don't know why. And now they're like, oh, he's a patriot at heart. He, he wants to come back to the program. That's what he definitely wants. I just they spent the three movies trying to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're all like, oh, yeah, let's bring him back in. He'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand it at all. It was a bit confused, wasn't it? And the ending was so weak in this movie, so weak. 
So at the end, you find out Heather Lee, is that her name? Who's Alicia Vikander's character is basically just as bad as the rest of them and was being nice to Bourne throughout the whole thing just so she could eventually kill him. Well, I thought they were, like, trying to say that she was lying just to please her boss, but then I actually see the scene to double no, down. She was just lying. She was. She was lying to Bourne the whole way. Yeah. Because Bourne had had the tape of her saying to her boss, we'll bring him in and if we can't, we'll put him down. Yeah. And then she, like, seemed really upset that he'd found that out. Mm. So... What was the whole reason of her being nice to him and going behind Tommy Lee Jones's back throughout the whole film then well, if she eventually was going to turn born in anyway? Well, it's possible that that wasn't the case, but isn't what is, appears to be in the film. So either they've like totally changed the meaning of what they were trying to say or they weren't, but it, it's so confused that like, you can't really make sense of they it. They had no idea what they wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. Question for you. Yes. How does Bourne renew his passport? Good question. Because he couldn't put an application in because if, if they'd like go, oh, my mm. God, it's Jason Bourne, this wanted killer that we've been looking for all these years. He'd use one of his other ones, wouldn't he, and then... No, but he had a current US passport. Oh, he probably wouldn't apply for one, would he? He'd probably yeah. just forge it. He'd forge it or he'd find somebody right. to do it. He probably wouldn't go down to I'm the thinking he'd line, line up in the line with his little application form. <laughs> yes. Jason, B- I mean, no, not Jason Vaughan. That's not my name. Uh, David, oh, no, wait. <laughs> and all his gadgets, where does he get them? Some of his gadgets he just, you just pick up, I reckon, like a telescope or whatever. What is. about his lockpick? You can buy lockpicks. Hmm. Are you Jason Vaughan? Is that what you're telling me? I can neither confirm nor deny my real name is Jason Vaughan. Is Sam Jason Vaughan? Sam and I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that we are part of Treadstone. <laughs> Look, we've we really we should kind of shat in the movie a bit here, but it's not that bad. It's better than most action movies. It's just disappointing when it's come from a really awesome trilogy that we liked so much mm-hmm. in the beginning. It looks like there are more to come as well, which yeah, I'm not excited well. about because. I feel like, A, it's undone everything that the first three did, and B, it's not adding anything new. It's just copying exactly the same process. Everyone in the CIA is corrupt. Everyone's after Bourne. You know, I just feel like if you want to re-jig the franchise, you need to do something new. I don't understand the point of this. I think that the Bourne series, which is awesome, should maybe take a little break and go the way of Choc Tops. Just gone forever. Die. We've had a good run, Jason Bourne movies. Yeah. Maybe we don't need any more. But maybe they can die in a like honourable, nice way where they're like on the raft that goes out in the river and then you put some flowers on it and stuff rather than Choc Tops, which are probably going to die in hell. Definitely. Is that okay if we give That's Bourne fine. a nice farewell? No, but actually, I wouldn't mind seeing more Bourne movies if they're awesome and they're absolutely there's a good reason for them, that sort of thing. Yeah. Shock tops. <laughs> Never want to see again. No good reason for them. If anything, this movie's just made me want to rewatch the first three, which are perfect and amazing and you know I I really enjoy all three of them and everything mm-hmm. that they brought. They're my favourite action franchise for sure. Mm-hmm. Don't you think they're the most realistic out of all the like action movies. Well, it's funny that the Jason Bourne movies actually made the James Bond movies. 
be a lot more realistic. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, you're not allowed to say Jason Bourne on the set of the James Bond movies. Really? They're really, yeah, really. Funny don't like, about don't it. like comparisons. <laughs> just funny because they have, have changed the whole thing. Casino Royale yeah. wouldn't have been made without Jason Bourne. Daniel yeah. Craig's Bond is very different to Pierce Brosnan's and everyone's beforehand. Yeah. So, yeah. I think action heroes are moving in a more gritty direction. Even look at Batman and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of that is due to Bourne and him as a character. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm kind of a bit sad really that this movie has, it hasn't ruined the franchise. It's just kind of let me down a little bit because. It just wasn't needed, was it? No, it just... wasn't needed. It kind of ruined the whole premise of the other ones. Yeah. And it just didn't. I don't know. It, it's not even not needed in a way where it's not needed, but it's still a good time. Same as how we spoke about Finding Dory. You said I don't think anyone was campaigning for a sequel, but it was still a great movie, Finding Dory. I still really enjoyed it, you know. This one. Not quite. Not quite for mm. me. I don't know that I'd want to watch it again, and I don't know that I, you know, need it. Mm. Another thing that really annoyed me was that the movie opens with like a black screen and Jason Bourne's voiceover going, my name is Jason Bourne, I remember everything. And that to me, it like, it annoyed me on a few levels. Number one, that's the premise of the whole character, that he doesn't know everything. So to make him all of a sudden know everything makes no sense. It negates the last three movies because that was him not knowing anything and now all of a sudden he does know anything, everything. But then also... He doesn't know everything because he's like still trying to uncover all the projects and stuff and programs in the new movie. Well, that was the journey of the three movies though beforehand was that he came to the end of it and he didn't know everything because he found out where he came from and everything. Well, he clearly didn't though because what was the point of this movie? Well, yeah, I understand that. But I think what they were trying to say is that after those movies, he is now, knows everything. They didn't do anything with that. No. But that's what they were trying to do, I think. I feel like... Just really badly. Opening your movie with that too, you're like... I know everything. Well, what's the point of the movie we're about to watch then? What's the point mm. of the next two hours? Just roll credits there and stop well, it. Well, it was kind of like, I know everything, and then he's like, oh, wait, but I don't. It was very sloppily handled. Yeah, it was, I wasn't saying it's good. I'm just, that's what they're trying to do, I think. Mm. Um, and also, it's like, he's a new character now because he's done the last three movies and now he knows everything and he's got to be, I'll go on new adventures. But he didn't need the same adventure. It's the same adventure. It's the same and, movie again. And still right? uncovered the same things that he uncovered in the last three. Yeah, so what was the point of the last three movies and also what was the point of the beginning a little bit? Exactly. Yeah, stupid. What would you give it out of Sam's? Like three. Three Sam's? Yeah. I'd probably give it maybe two and a quarter. Okay. Wasn't a fan. Great. No. And the other ones are like five, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. They're all five stars for me. Mm. I feel like I gave so one star because it's a Jason Bourne movie. I'll give it another star for the realistic fights and that kind of grittiness and the quarter because I didn't really want to give it just two stars. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. We'll call it a day here on the show. Choc Tops, bad. Newborn movie, bad. Original Bourne movies, great. Good summations, today. Thanks. <laughs> um, we've had emails flooding in, left, right and centre, so please add to that. slpodcasting at gmail.com. Podcasting. Like, ting. Not just podcast. I don't know if that's clear in the name of it. I, it's 
SL Podcasts was taken, so we couldn't do that. <laughs> so please send us an email if you would like us to talk about a particular movie or if you have something that's been annoying you, which, let's be honest, it's probably annoying us too, <laughs> <laughs> given our tolerance threshold isn't that high. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 